Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not, and Carrie is drunk. So we had some technical difficulties. She was like, oh, there's a problem with the equipment. Well, spilled vodka is going to do that. I'm just kidding. It was bourbon. So, uh, so happy to be here with you today and continue our Foundations Lecture. But first, I got to tell you this. Before the show today, uh, what do we have? Mass and a meeting, a big meeting where we confronted Carrie about her drinking. Didn't work. And then, well, look at the shirt I'm wearing, right? What shirt am I wearing? The hot dog stand. Why am I wearing the shirt of the hot dog stand? Because it's the greatest place ever. If you were like, Vatican or hot dog stand? I'm like, I've seen the Vatican. I'm going hot dog stand in Grand Blank, Michigan, run by Goddess Rhonda. Now, she prefers we don't call her that. She says, just Goddess is fine. So she of hot dog stand happiness has other skills, and I've learned this a million times, but today, today, she brought, what do we call these macaroons? Macarons? I don't know if you can see these. They're perfect. And Dad, they're awful. Don't worry. I'll take care of them. Oh, so show them here. I don't know if you know how hard these are to make. Like, it would kill a mortal. Uh, so she brought these. She brought hot dogs. She brought uh, ice cream made with angel wings and tequila. Um, and it has been just wonderful sitting here together. And I miss Rhonda because I not, haven't gone to the hot dog stand since she closed it because of weather. Um, I'll eat hot dogs when it's cold. I don't get it. Turns out Rhonda wants to have a life a few months of a year. Whatever. I got needs, woman. I got needs. So anyway, I thank the Lord for Rhonda for 900 reasons. Number one, I'm going to say it's the hot dog stand. And then number two is that you're a child of God. I'm sorry, but I've got priorities. Uh, I do have my Gabriel Richard cup from our show last week at Gabriel Richard, which was, I thought, a lot of fun. Those kids are smart. Like when I was in high school, I was like picking my nose a lot and eating glue. And these kids are like pondering philosophy. My Lord. <clears throat> so I had a great time there. Thank you, Ann Arbor. That was a lot of fun. And you know that's enemy territory for me. But now I have a little haven of, of happy in the midst of Ann Arbor. It's called Gabriel Richard High School. My new love. So uh, we have been going through foundations. This uh, series, uh, we're, we're looking at, now get ready, the foundations of our faith. Uh, because I think for most of us, and I, I'm, you're going to hear me say this a few times, we, uh, with the best of intentions, we were taught rules, uh, but that doesn't work for any relationship, right? Uh, you know, we were told, don't do this and make sure you do that. What I would like us to look at is the possibility that our faith is a response of love to love for love, that that's what it's all about. And sometimes that sounds a little wimpy to us because the word love and our culture has got diluted to the point of insanity, right? So we think of love, oh, that's a good idea. We think of the word love as a weak word or as uh, something kind of airy and thuy, but the most clear depiction of love we have, truly, is a perfectly innocent man ripped to pieces and bleeding and dying, right? That's love. Um, love is the moment where mom and dad take a stand and risk losing the relationship with you to save your soul. 
Um, what I want us to do is understand our faith to be not a list of rules, but a response of love so that what we don't do is mistake symptoms of Christianity with Christianity. Because theoretically, anyone can do a lot of the symptoms of Christianity on some form of willpower. Um, but anyway, all of that to say, what did we do so far? So far, we looked in the first show about the idea that believing in an unseen God is not unreasonable. Okay, uh, uh, I think I talked about this, the idea of, well, I have proofs for God's existence. I can't prove I exist. I mean, I kind of can, but you could make it difficult, except for my belly. I mean, that thing's huge. Like you might be, well, what is that gargantuan thing between your chest and your belt? Uh, that's the um, um, mountain. <laughs> Um, how, why did I go there? I don't know. We talked about how everyone loves to use the word science because they think, you know, oh, I love science. No, you don't. Some of you might. Most times what we love is our opinion uh, with somebody writing, here's scientific proof. We don't make decisions out of science. We never have. Uh, what we make decisions out of as humans, we, we say courtroom proof, namely that you weigh evidence. You look at the data and you say, what's more likely? What's more probable? And in that first show in this series, I attempted to get you to see the idea that believing in an other, a God, something that to which the rules that we follow don't apply is actually more likely than the opposite. As I said, it requires a tremendous amount of faith to be an atheist. Okay. Uh, we then walked through some ideas of uh, looking at the human existence for, well, there, it looks like there's something out there. What we're moving into today now is more revelation. The idea that we can know this God, we can know things about this God, and that our belief in Christianity is not a function of geography, but of truth. Because in the end, and we're going to get into this heavy later, you and I were made to know truth. We don't like truth. Right? Jesus flat out said it. We don't like truth. Uh, but we know we need it. And once we know the truth, we really can never settle for a lie again on that topic. Yeah? Um, but we'll get into that later. <clears throat> the most perfect example being Santa Claus. But we can't get into that. Because remember when I did this, like the first year we were doing the show and I killed the souls of little children by accident? Let me just say this. Oops. I have the video. We'll have to share it. Yeah. Just don't, but don't put a warning on it. Because literally we got calls. It was like, you know, my kid was watching the show, Father. Thanks. They're now Buddhist. <laughs> So what is our revelation? Do you remember last time we ended talking about how God created and how that creation of God, namely God created uh, out of nothing, out of love, and on purpose, that those three traits are the three most important things for us to pull away from Genesis for a simple reason. No other creation account has those. No other creation account has a God outside of reality creating reality. And all of the others, there was a reality present that the gods manipulated. But no, the Jewish creation account, which is completely unique, it's unique in three ways. God created out of nothing. God created out of love. God created on purpose. 
And what we're going to do now is take what has Revelation shown us about this God? What have we learned about this God so far? And again, with all of it being a response of love, that faith is a response of love to love for love. Okay. Um, M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E, method of my, I don't remember that, Hall of Notes, that just came to me out of nowhere. That song stinks and it's still in my head from the 80s. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E, method of mine in Okay, so one of the things we do <laughs> is we realize as Catholics, we believe, we understand God is a community. Okay. Um, if you go into, I think it's the Alask Mosque. It's the largest mosque in the world. I believe I might have some of this wrong, but this part I don't have wrong. When you go into it, because I've been in it, took off my shoes. You got to take off your shoes. And they have little lockers, and you go inside, and on in Arabic letters, know all who enter here that God is one, not three. Right? And my friends who are Orthodox Jews drives them nuts when we talk about this. You worship three gods, and we worship one. Well, tell me about this God. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's three. Nope, it's one. Sorry. Right? We worship a God who is community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. Three persons who are one. You say, how's that possible? Well, if I knew, I would, could be it. But I can't, and we'll get into that in a minute. If you have a knowable God, a God who you understand the height and depth of, you need a new God. You just have someone bigger than you, that's all. But someone who you can get as big as. That's not what we worship. We worship other. Yeah? You doing good? Okay. So this community of persons is a community of love. Uh, and I know this is a little bit of review, but I need to do it. Okay, so what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Okay, love is what God is. Remember, we talked about this, not the other way around. This is really, really important. God is what, or love is what God is. God is not loving. We say God's loving because that's the only thing we got. But God is actually love. His existence is love. When you and I love, we are Godding. Okay? We are Godding. I just made that word up. Mm -hmm. Small g. We're Godding. What does that mean? We're imitating our Creator. We're fulfilling our purpose. And the more like God that love is, the more holy it is. The less like God it is, the more it's unholy. I, I, can, I can say to everyone, well, I'm imitating Carrie, but then act totally opposite of her. Well, then what have my words done? My words have distorted Carrie. They've distorted reality. And at some point, my distortion can get so off that I become lost when it comes to carry. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. What you and I are going to do is look at what God does so we can figure out what love is. Yeah? Yeah? Does this make sense? Okay, good. So what, uh, what do we got? We got first, this is the thing we got to hit. God is a mystery. God is other. And when we say mystery, we don't mean it like Scooby-Doo, right? Where you rip the mask off and what, what is the line? I would have done it if it wasn't for that darn dog and those meddling kids. 
No, it's not that kind of mystery. It's not Hardy Boys. Does anyone even? I don't even know if the Hardy Boys exist anymore. I'm sure they're dead by now or something. Okay. Um, we mean mystery, and I got this from Jan Hazel Schwartz, who is a DRE at St. Gerard's. I got this in 1998, and I've never forgot it. She said, when we say mystery, we mean constantly unfolding. That you and I could immerse ourselves in the mystery of God for the rest of time and not cover the whole of it. That's why heaven's forever. It's going to take us that long. Okay? God is so other than us. Who, who could have predicted Jesus? Who saw that coming? Who saw, well, God's going to come and save us. Sweet, is he going to kill the Romans? Now he's going to die for him. Oh, well, are the Romans going to kill him? No, nope, that'd be us. Wait, God's going to get killed. Uh-huh. <laughs> no matter what we do, God is unpredictable because we're not God. God is other. God thinks different. In the words of scripture, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You and I think differently. We are, at core, self-obsessed. God is not. And we'll get to that in a minute. So God is a mystery, and we want to remember this. Be careful. And I, I know well-meaning Catholic speakers who will be like, well, it's simple, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if it's simple, it ain't God, to some extent. Um, God is other. There will always be a part of us that stands right on the brink of this chasm of unknowing and just says, I ain't, uh, you're not me, my Lord and my God. What did Thomas say when he realized that he was physically touching what he thought was a ghost? When he realized it has matter. Remember this? Thomas then becomes the first person to call Jesus God. See? My Alexa. That was my Alexa. Yeah. I think I got a package. But I didn't order anything. I'm boycotting it. As much as I can, I did have to order hearing aid stuff from Amazon because nobody else had it. But, okay, what are we doing? Thomas. Jesus, God. Thomas called. Thomas, right? That was Thomas's reaction. It was, I, he, what was he saying? I can't explain this. I can't do it. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. A lot of Christian life, to me, is an experience of awe. A-W-E. Awe. Wonder. Well, this is what we mean by fear of the Lord. Like, well, God doesn't want you afraid of him. He doesn't want you afraid of him, but I'm afraid of him. I know he loves me, but I know what his love did to his son. Yeah? Uh, I get that he's right. I just don't like pain. Which, again, shows me how different I am than him. Okay, so what we look at, when we look at this community of love who created humans on purpose, out of nothing, out of love, we gather, I wrote one, two, three, four, five attributes, okay? Five attributes that we can draw from creation and from looking at dad and saying, okay, first, love, obviously, love. If God says, I'm love, uh, he's right. And he says, I'm love. So love becomes the key word here. Two, we learn that self-giving is everything. How does the Trinity function? We talked about this last time, right? How does the Trinity function? The Father pours all that he is into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. All of himself. Kenosis. I think I told you that word last time, did I? I don't remember. Okay. 
And then the son is constantly pouring the fullness of himself into the father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly pouring the fullness of himself into the father and the son. They are giving of themselves so perfectly and so completely and so eternally that they're one. And it all happens because of self-giving. So if I want to be like God, I need to love and I need to give of myself. A third thing is kind of a fruit, namely creation. Love and self-giving creates. Now, later we're going to get into this understanding of the act of sex as worship. Sex is two people imitating the Trinity. And that's why we say covenant only, right? But what did that Trinity do? It made life. What does a man, what is the purpose of a man and a woman coming together sexually? Two bodies becoming one? Life. Life happens. It can even create an immortal soul. It's so perfectly like God that it's the only thing humans can do that makes something eternal. Do you ever think about that? Isn't that nuts? Like you got kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. when you were holding little Squiggly, who's the oldest? Bailey. Bailey. When you were holding little Bailey, that was the same soul that Bailey's got now. And it's the same soul that's going to be forever. It's going to outlast the Milky Way. It's going to outlast Snickers. No, I said that wrong. It's going to outlast our galaxy. It's going to outlast everything. Right? And how did that happen? Two people became one. They so perfectly imitated the eternal God that they made something eternal. Holy crap. Right? People, why does the church have so many rules about sex? Because you guard sacred things. That's what you do. You protect sacred things. And get this, I'm going to cough. <coughs> what is the goal then of imitating? What is the goal then of sex? Ultimately, it's to imitate God. Well, then be like God. That's why the church has teachings about artificial birth control in the context of marriage. Right? I mean, we could go on and on. Hold on. At first, I thought it was the cigarettes I had right before the show, and then I remembered I didn't have any. <laughs> yesterday, the bishop said, I saw the bishop yesterday, and I was coughing. I said, I got bad lungs. You're smoking again. No! It was so cool to be able to say, why, I haven't had a cigarette in 10 years. And it's still killing me. Yeah, it's still killing me. Well, I think the crack might be part of that. <laughs> At least it's not cigarettes. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've got love, we've got self-giving, which leads to creation. And then another aspect of God is community, right? This is one of those things that we, we, where we need to pause and think because community is hard. If community is not hard, you're not doing community. And this is where you run into this phenomenon of, well, uh, uh, Organized religion. A, it ain't organized, okay? I've been Catholic for 51 years. It's a train wreck. Think of it this way. The Italians are in charge. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you've been to Italy, who looks at the Italians and goes, oh, you should run this $1.2 billion uh, person, $1.2 billion person organization. The Germans should be doing it. <laughs> People listen and obey. Um, yeah, it worked out real good with Luther, didn't it? Let me retract the, the uh, German thing. Who should we have running it? Certainly not the French. Two words, Avignon Papacy. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> community's hard. Uh, you've been at mass when there's shrieking kid, when there's bad voice adult, when there's, I'm gonna get up 18 times during mass, 
when there's bad music, when there's bad priests, when there's community's hard. Well, it's supposed to be God's community, right? God is a community. Religion, people down on religion. Religion is a Latin word. It means to bind together, to be bound together. And when I was at MSU, true story, there was this really kind of popular video that went out on YouTube about why I gave up on religion, and it was put out by a religion. (laughs) I'm like, really, guys? Mars Church, I think they were called. But... It was just kind of funny, like this guy rapping, and he was very cool. Trust me, religion don't mess up. All right, chief, whatever. Get your clicks. Um, what, <laughs> why is religion important? Because community's important. Community pulls you out of self-obsession. I get these questions all the time, right? Father, this person at mass did blah, 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 blah. You know what? Let it go. It's not your job to control. Well, that's hard. I know if it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, when I was a rookie priest, uh, I was really, as you can tell, I'm the ADHD wonder boy. Okay. And there was a family that always came in late, right? Every church has these families and I don't care. Right. I I used to, right. They come in late with 800 kids and then sit in the front pew. Right. And you're like, I don't just want to sit in back. You're late. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, see how it started at the same time as it did last week, and then the week before, and then the week before, there's a pattern. That's how I used to think. And then, can you imagine? Like, my mom was the one who told me this. She did. She said, Joe, I didn't raise all those kids by myself. (laughs) Your dad and I didn't raise all these kids by ourselves. We have family. Family all lived near each other. Right? My mom had 13 brothers and sisters. And almost all of them lived within 12 miles of her. Isn't that crazy? Am I saying that right, Pa? Yeah. Uh, and, and Dad, right? Dad had a brother, Ray, and his mom, Dad. They all lived within 15 miles of each other. That's how society used to work. Now we move far from our anchors. So, of course, people are going to struggle to get out the door. Like, I have no judgment in my heart anymore about this. I have no judgment in my heart anymore about loud kids. Why? Because they're there. What was I raging about? Something I can't control anyway. And I don't know what I don't know. And it was a huge growing experience for me to sit there week after week and challenge myself. Don't be distracted by that kid. And if you are, that's your problem. I'm happy they're there. And now I don't even have to think about it anymore. And it's beautiful. And I end up legit feeling bad for people who after mass, that one family, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh man, didn't you see all the beauty? Didn't you see all the beauty? Community's hard, but it makes us holy. It has to, right? St. Benedict, I think it could have been St. Anthony, uh, who would give penance to other monks and say, you don't have any penance, you live in community. That's penance enough for anybody. Right? That was his truly his teaching. <laughs> Living in a community is, hard, is penance enough for anybody. Um, and unity. And unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Because it's all, and I hate this word, hate, 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 and I'm going to use it. It's a journey. Okay? What does that mean? Remember how I told you about rookie priest who got irritated at distractions and late people? And fat old priest? I'm just kidding. I'm not that old. You know, I'm a 51-year-old priest who loves those things, 
right? I can't condemn 28-year-old me. I was the best I had that day. And he had to be that guy so that I could be this guy. In the same way, everybody with you at church, they're on their own journey too. And the unity is not, we all think the exact same way and we act the exact same way. Those are called robots. The beauty is we're all striving for the same ideal. This is where I get so frustrated with the let's cleanse the church thing. Cleanse the clergy. Hell, heck yeah. Sorry, I almost said hell. Good catch. Thank God I didn't say hell. Cleanse the clergy. Absolutely. Burn it down. And if there's 10 of us left standing, that's enough. Right? But when it comes to God's people and we say to gay people, well, no, 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 that's a sin. You got to stop. You might be right, but let them get in the door. And then can we do that with you? Can we look at your sins and say, that one's worse. Yeah, you, you get that together and then you can come. Right. We, we pick the sins we don't struggle with and we rage against them. <laughs> right. But the ones we struggle with, oh, those, those we need to have mercy. Right. It's a journey. They're not going to convert to what's right. You're not going to convert to what's right if you ain't there. Have you ever learned a foreign language, right? What's the way to do it? You can sit in a classroom. Hola, mi nombre es Pepe, como esta? Trabajo en la iglesia. Or you can go to Mexico. Yeah, don't go to Spain. That's weird Spanish. Have you ever heard theirs? Oh. They got a lot of thumb thumb there. Yeah. I can't figure it out. And here's the language no one could do, Portuguese. <clears throat> Uh, we had a guy uh, from Portugal or Brazil stay with us, and his name was <clears throat> J O A O. And it'd be like, oh, is that Joao? No, it's Joao. Sorry? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm okay, I got it. It's Joao. No, 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 it's Joao. I'm just going to call you Chuck. <laughs> Whatever it may be, you immerse yourself in it to grow in it. And when we become overly obsessed with the community, it's a great way to take our eyes off us. Uh, and all these things, right? So we're on community. We, we went love, self-giving, creation, community. And honestly, I overwent community because I'm going to do it more later. God help us. Although I think I just said everything I got to say. And then in the end, there is other. Remember, remember, these qualities of God, love, self-giving, creation, community, and otherness. That's what we want to keep in mind. There's still situations, obviously, in my life where I have no idea what God's doing, and that freaks me out. Right? Last, I don't know, what should I say about that? Last night, we had to deal with horror. I mean, horror at a hospital. And it's like, why is this happening? I have no clue. I, I don't know. I don't know what God's doing. Um, yesterday, in fact, yesterday, one of my appointments, uh, who said, I've shared this publicly. So I told me the story of their life about losing their, their brother at a very young age in a very painful, awful way. And then he, he pointed out for 20 some years of my life, I was like, God, what was that? What were you doing? And he says, now I'm this age. And I realize that got all of us in the fight. We're all Catholic now. None of us were Catholic. And he says, I think my little baby brother's praying. Um, God is other, and I don't get it. And if I got it, I'd be God, and you don't want me to be God. I would be terrible at it. We'd all win the lottery. And everybody get like a buck. You're like, yeah, thanks, God. We're really grateful. 
I was just thinking of that the other day. Uh, Dad and I, three lotteries in a row. We buy about every other week, we buy a lottery ticket, right? And two in a row, we hit the power number, which gets you another ticket. And I started thinking, so do you know what happens? Do you know about this? If you hit all six numbers, but not the power number, it's a million. And I think that's the only time in your life where you'd be like, a million? Right? Because one more number and it's 300 million. Totally. That'd be the only time in your life you'd be like, a million? Come on. Here's your ticket back. Yeah. It's all about perspective. Okay. How are we doing so far? Are people happy? Okay. Happy! All right. So. Terrified. Yeah, I'm terrified. Did the dog leave? No. Hey, he's out in the hallway. I brought in this rug. Poo. Okay. You were right. It was about opening the window. Okay. <clears throat> so what do we now got? We've got a God who we looked at these traits and we said, love, self-giving, creation, community, other. And here's the thing. There's a concept called deism, which in most general definition is uh, we were made by this other and that's kind of it. You know, connection to it, not connection to it. It's a form of polytheistic paganism. I don't have a better way to put it. Like, what is paganism? The gods don't have anything to do with morals or with anything. You, you worship them and you worship whatever ones you want. Christianity, as I told you, Judaism and somewhat Islam, ties loving God with a change in behavior. You act in a way that pleases God. Well, where does that come from? It is totally unique, right? The first ones to do it. Now others have, they've copied our homework. Uh, well, it's because this God, we believe for some reason, wants to be known. Yeah, just like a parent who makes a child, wants that child to know, I want you to know me. Um, God wants to be known. And that's pretty amazing. Um, this is a dumb example, but it's what I got. When I was at St. Mary on the Lake, Manitoba Beach, loved that parish. Uh, I was praying mass with Father Paul Grail. Okay, now Father Paul Grail was 9,253 years old and could take me in a fight. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, let me tell you a Paul Grail story. So Paul Grail and Paul Ruddy, who's my cousin, Paul Ruddy and Paul Grail are both 900 years old, right? They're both in their 90s, truly. And I was with them at a funeral. And we went to the burial, and we put the person in the ground, and then we're all kind of going, and I'm going to drive them home. And as we turn from the grave and start walking, Ruddy says to Grail, you want to just stay? It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Paul Ruddy's still alive. Yeah, those ruddy jeans, aren't they amazing? Uh, but anyway, why are we talking about this? Oh, I'm with Paul Grail before he wants to be the Lord, obviously. We're praying mass, you know, we're going, and we got the big old red book, right? The, the, the Roman Missal. And my hand to heaven, this spider, about, I think, this big, you know? Uh, no, this thing's shadow weight a pound. But it lands on the book. It's probably that big. It wasn't small. And it lands on the book. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know. So I just did this. And boom, he flies off, right, and died of caffeine uh, inhale. No, and then you know what he did? I've never seen this. And you might know spiders. I don't know spiders. I mean, I knew one. His name was Chuck. He was a jerk. Uh, then he jumped, bing, and he was back on the book. 
He wanted to be on the book. And I'm like, Lord, you are holy. And then, boom, he flies off, bink, jumps right back on it. This dude was like, I'm going to be on the book. And Paul went to kill him. I'm like, no. He wants to pray mass with us. I know. And I was just like, who's the boo-boo? So finally, at peacetime, I get him. Right, and he's all blah, 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 in my hand, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I take him outside. I'm like, "Be free," you know. And then a bird ate him, probably. But um, that spider, and I don't like spiders. Okay, I like that they eat bugs, and I like them from a distance. Uh, but I don't know. He wanted to be there, and I know that sounds stupid, but that's like Paul was like, "Why didn't kill it?" I'm like, "Dude, a it's an altar, right? The only thing we kill here is, you know, we offer Jesus, you know, but." I don't know, but can you imagine in a little spider head, a human wants to know me, if it could wrap its brain around it? Now imagine the gap between us and God. It's bigger than me and the spider, depending on the spider. <laughs> How incredible that he wants you to know him. I just can't, that's one of the most humble things about our God. And, and again, the fact that we consider humility weak shows just how little we understand God, right? But he wants us to know him. Think of that. The creator and sustainer of the universe. He who was, who is, is to come. Uh, he is existence itself. And he's like, no, I want to know you. And I want you to know me. And so he reveals himself, we believe, through scripture. That's one way. The telling of the story, right? The story of God, the story of us, the story of God and us. That's scripture in a nutshell. We can learn about who God is. And we might look at scripture and say, well, boy, God changes. No, we change, but we can handle changes. And again, think of this with your kids, what you tell your kids. You don't tell them the whole thing till they're ready to take it, you know. Um, God reveals himself to us in a manner we can handle. So his craving to be known by us is also tempered by his revelation that, or his, real, his knowledge that we're tiny, we're breakable. Um, it's the dad wrestling with his little boy uh, you know, the boy wins. <laughs> Dad could end it. Be like, wham, I win again. You know, that's my approach. Um, <laughs> do you get me? The fact that God wants us to know him. I, I do think we could spend the rest of our life thinking about that alone and be saints. I really do, because it's nuts. But he shows himself to us in a few ways. One, as I said, scripture. A second is through the world he made. Um, the world he made is filled with him, right? The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, to quote the Psalms. Psalms got a billion of these lines. This idea that when we look at the world he made, we can understand him a little better. And I'm going to say something I think might be awful, and I hate it, but I think about it all the time. I do. Dad and I watch nature documentaries and Iron Resurrection and baseball, right? And um, Iron Resurrection's an awesome show. If you're not watching it, Jesus wants you to. But, you know, you know what's going to happen, 
right? Oh, look at this wonderful jaguar. It had three cubs. Wonder if they'll all make it. No, one will. And then how does that one make it? By killing things smaller than it. And not like mercifully so. Like our favorite one is to watch. You've seen this where the jaguars literally drop out of the tree. Have you seen this? They kill crocodiles. Like we've seen a million of these. And in fact, we've gone on YouTube just to look at clips. <laughs> where you see this alligator, he's in the river and he's like, I'm king of everything. I'm and then he's dead because a jaguar fell out of the tree and ripped its throat out and dragged it to land and ate it. <laughs> and God's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Nature's brutal, guys. And I don't know what that all means. I don't, but I know it's important to this. Because that's the food chain. The small things get eaten by the weak, right? That's how animals work. But when it comes to us, remember we talked about this last time? We play by different rules. You don't lecture a jaguar on morality. I mean, you can, but it'll be the last thing you do because then it will eat you. But you look at creation and it's filled with destruction and rebirth over and over and over, all over the place. It's filled with Good Fridays and Sun Easter Sundays. And that's in our universe, in our galaxy, in space. And that's in the ocean and that's on the land and it's everywhere. Destruction and rebirth and regeneration. That's something very important and we need to think about it. This doesn't mean you should kill and eat things small. Well, yeah, you should. Yeah, kill and eat the uh, cow. They're delicious and they don't fight back. Sorry. <laughs> but all through creation, God's there. He's in what he makes. Right? When Bob set this thing up, remember? It was like he, he kept saying this. And again, I'm, I'm a dumb redneck, right? So he's like, this will be a really good representation of you. I'm like, it's shelves. You know, it's... But he put all this stuff up, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He has filled creation with him. Um, and things in creation are signs of him. So again, uh, we talked about this with come Holy Spirit. We talked about this with sex somehow. Oh, male and female uh, priestesses. When we did that section on priestesses, we talked about how for us, sex is the biggest thing because it's the thing most like God. So we really sit, and of course, I can hear every teenage boy going, wait, we just sit and think about sex? Not the way you're thinking. <coughs> Uh, but we think about what that means, right? We think about what does that teach us of God, that that's so important. And it's so important that God says, well, it needs a covenant, right? You're not someone's plaything. You're not someone's pastime. They don't exist for your gratification and you don't exist for theirs. Those are all symptoms of the great thing. Humans, when they act most like God, act like God. They make things. Yeah, anyway. And you'll see creation's filled with this. Our lives are filled with this. Hints at God. Things that say, yeah, that's how God works. This community of life and love desires to be known by you. It wants you to know it. Because that's the only way you're going to be happy. Because when you know it, then you can imitate it. And if you can imitate it, then what? This community of life and love desires you to be within the community of life and love. It wants to know you. 
Um, he's like, well, of course he knows me. He made me. And now we hit the biggie. Any guesses? Free Willy. <laughs> it's a movie about a, yeah, orca with a bent dorsal fin and a Michael Jackson song. I will be there. You know, I've never seen the movie, but I love that song. I just remember the bent dorsal fin on the commercials, and I'm like, did they do that on purpose? But it turns out they did, my nephew explained it. Anyway, free will, free will. Now we go back to God is love. Remember that? Remember the whole God is love thing? Well, here's the thing. I love my dad. I do. I love my knucklehead dog. I love coffee. I do. I love ice cream. I love Rhonda. I love the things Rhonda gives me. Hot dogs, for example, just picking a random one. Ice cream that has tequila in it. Or maybe tequila that had ice cream in it. I can't remember. <laughs> all of those words are love, yeah? But they're all a different thing. I don't love hot dogs like I love my dog. I don't love my dog like I love my dad. I don't love my dad like I love Rhonda. I don't, right, you get it? There's a million kinds of love. Now, the biggest difference I think would be when I say I love coffee and I love my dad. Why? Because coffee can't love me back. It's just a thing. It doesn't have anima. It doesn't have a soul. Um, it doesn't have choice. Um, you with me? So when I love dad and dad loves me, that's both of us sacrificing and making a choice that makes his love better than, that makes my love for him better than my love for coffee. Yeah, is that clear? Okay, and even when it comes to dog, and I know some of you, last time I said this, people got freaky, and I'm so sorry, but I'm not sorry. Your dog has its version of loving you, but it's not human love. Stop feeding it, see how that goes, <laughs> right? Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. I freak people out when I talk this way. I, your dog loves you, but it loves you like a dog loves you. Um, it's more utilitarian than anything else. Uh, a human can love you when you make their life hell. How's that? Yeah? Uh, for example, if you give me, like, there's something called Kona coffee. Are you familiar with this? It tastes like devil breath. So I don't like Kona coffee because it's awful. Some people like a light roast and they're stupid. <laughs> totally kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. It's the stupid people who want to like flavored coffee. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was at, where's the place where I get bagels with sausage and egg and cheese and I put it in my mouth and I die happy? Big Apple. Big Apple bagel, okay, is their number two woman. Okay, you're number one and it ain't close. But number two is this breakfast place. But here's the thing I can't stand. When you go in there, they're like, here's five carafes of coffee to choose from. Co cookies and cream coffee. Maple butternut squash coffee. That's not coffee. That's yuppie things. Anyway, how did I get here? Oh, if I don't like coffee, then I don't love coffee. You get me? There's kinds of coffee I don't like. But when it comes to dad, well, he's a good dad, and I'm so stinking blessed. He's the best dad. I know you've got one, and he probably tries, but mine's the best. But even if he was horrible to me, or I was horrible to him, we can still choose to love each other. Yeah. This is, 
the core of why we have free will. And this is why we are so valuable to God. In the words of St. Paul, to which angel did God say, you're my son? None of them. But he says that to us. Why? Because we don't have to love them. We have free will. God can give us everything and we can hate him. God can seemingly give us nothing and we can love him. That makes our love super valuable. That makes for a creature that is love, this is the wrong phrase to use, but in a sense, we're his purpose. This is why God says of us in, in scripture, what? You are the apple of my eye. Or three times that I can remember, God says, the Lord, del I delight in my people. The one's killing him, <laughs> right? What is that? This is where human dignity lies. That when you love God, when you'd rather not, you're fulfilling the purpose of love. Love is targeted at you and you can say no. So when you say yes, man, that's what we're talking about when we talk about free will. So does God know me better than I know me? But because I have free will, I have to invite him. I have to give him permission. I talk to myself a lot. My brain is very chaotic and it's hard for me to focus. Yeah. So sometimes like uh, I'll say to God, oh, Lord, look at my head. Help. <laughs> right. It's not that he's he's he di he's like, wait, what's wrong with your head? I'm inviting him in. Is this making sense? Okay. I'll give you the definition of free willy, okay? Quote, the power of the will to determine itself and to act of itself without compulsion from within or coercion from without. That's free will. The power of the will, that's that thing inside of us, our will, to determine itself, I exist, to act of itself without compulsion from within or coercion from without. Yeah, we all right here? Okay, you and I are self-aware, some of us. I've met some folks. You ever see those people who are like, calm down! It's like, yeah, that's not self-knowledge. That's not self-awareness. That's, my dog is not aware of himself. If you want proof, we had to light a scented candle and I have a spray thing here. And when we have to use both, he's not ashamed. Yeah, yeah. Before he got fixed, when he wanted to copulate, he did. Right? Why? He's just, he felt something, he acted. That's how animals work. We are aware of ourselves. We are aware of our environment in a way he can't be. And I can actually make a choice to charge a machine gun nest, knowing it will kill me but also knowing it'll help those people behind me. Yeah? Um, I can act freely without compulsion from within or coercion from without. You can put a gun in my head, to my head, and say, charge the machine gun nest. And I might, because I might do the math and go, well, that one will definitely kill me. I could theoretically survive that. But I could just say, this is the right thing. This is my duty. Right? And I know this is a dramatic example. I just couldn't think of a better one. Because I'm a violent person. 
Oh, we can act or not act. Totally free. We can do anything we want, in a sense. The only thing that keeps us sometimes from doing what we want is fear or societal conditioning. But in the end, we are free. Um, that is the way love works. Okay? That you are created as a thing within the universe that God can love. And when we love God back, that's ridiculously beautiful because we don't have to. Right. I, I used to use this example all the time, and it's true. Uh, we had a house next door, and these folks moved in, and I was pretty young. And I remember my mom looking out the window to see the ages of kids moving in, because she certainly had one to match, right? And so she, you know, guessed and went to Kelly. In fact, you know Kelly. Said to Kelly and I, you go over and be their friends. So Kelly's wonderful. I wasn't. You know, I went over, Mom said I got to be your friend. You know, all right, way to go, Sparky. You know, I'm really winning awards there. Um, that didn't work. I know you're shocked. He wasn't overwhelmed because he knew I wasn't choosing. I was doing what mom said I had to do. Yeah, but can you, what a jerk. Isn't that fun? That was me. In fact, you know what? Here's a great example. Oof. Well, all right, stick with me. I'm probably, I would assume this is my last assignment, right? I'm 51, am I 51? Yes, I'm 51. Uh, I've been to, I think, 9,000 parish assignments now. And as a general rule, the way the church seems to think, if I read it right, is, well, we can't give them a bigger parish, so that's it. That seems to be how it works, okay? When you're a young priest, you move into a parish knowing you're going to move again in a year or two. And there are priests who go all in, and there are priests who just ride it out, waiting till they get to be in charge. And I know both kinds. I was, I gotta say, whatever I get wrong in life, I was always an all in guy, right? That's my skill, that's my gift. I'm all in, this is me. And I always entered an assignment assuming I would die there. I mean, you know, eventually, not like I would die because Carrie killed me from spilling vodka on the keyboard right when the show's trying to start. But enough of the side point. We are free, right? We are free. And so that priest, or that, in this case, I'm using a priest example because that's the life I know, um, is, is free to say, well, I'm not going to play ball. I'm going to do the bare minimum, knowing I move out someday soon. Or he can go all in. Or he can do some weird thing in the middle. I don't know. But here's the key. He's free. He's free. The dog's not. Yeah. When I adopted him, uh, and I sometimes think, honestly, he still doesn't get it. It's like, no, you're stuck with me, dog. Right? Uh, I, I think he, you know, it's not like he sits there and says, well, this is my home, but someone might take me away. So I guess, no, he was all in. Because he doesn't know how to be different. That's a dog. A human could say, I'm here half time. Is this making any sense? Okay, groovy. Because free will is key to the, oh my gosh, is it really one o'clock? Holy cow, hold on. I know, I'm so sorry. I feel like I, I rattled a lot today. Yeah? Okay, okay. So here we are, right? Let's do a little summary, okay? Of all the things we talked about right now, we gave five or six quali five qualities of God. And the first one was God is love. So what we're looking at is that love wants to be known by us and wants us to know it. For that to work, we need free will. 
And the alternative to free will, guys, isn't something for us to rejoice in. It isn't. Um, you know, like I used to think that truly, I wish I wasn't free. Uh, slavery is so much easier. I wish that when God said, do this, I just did it. But then I'd be a robot. Then I'd be a dog. I wouldn't be free and I wouldn't be as lovable. My love wouldn't be a response of love. It would be an unthinking thing. Like, I know you're going to laugh, but my dog is perfect. Your dog is perfect. I mean, he's a demon, but he's perfect at being a dog. I'm serviceable at being a human. I'm working at it, right? But if I was fully human, I'd be a saint. Meaning I'm using my free will the best a human being can use it. I'm not there yet. I'm working at it. I'm close. No, I'm not. Wouldn't that be funny if I was like, the best thing I've got going for me is my humility. Um, for us, our response of love, this is the entire world of moral theology. When we talk about moral theology, to some extent, we want to remember that it is us trying to follow our specs. I can use a butter knife to undo a screw if it's a, a, a standard, right? But that's not what butter knives are for. And it's not going to go as well as if I used a screwdriver. Yeah? Humans, it's the same thing. You can act less than human and it can work. And you could even call that human, but you're not going to be as fulfilled as a person who is being more human. Okay. <clears throat> Name the sad saint. Seriously. Well, I can't think of any. Me either. I mean, Francis of Assisi walked around barefoot, seriously, half naked, had to beg for his food. And everyone who knew him said he oozed with joy. Isn't that crazy? St. John of the Cross suffered terribly in life. Everybody knew he was full of joy. I mean, St. John of the Cross, come on. You know, how joyful could it be? Well, he found it pretty darn joyful. Um, this is what sets us apart. This is what sets saints apart from the rest of us. They're more human. So next time we gather, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a human? What is a human? How does a human act and live? So that the human person is a, a human being a human is a responsive love. And I can give you a whole crap ton of rules and you can follow them, but you might not be human because your heart's the key. Love is the key. Is this all right? All right. So tomorrow, actually, we have a very cool show. Some of you may remember we had a guest who I think has the greatest name of any guest we've had. General Mike Stone. Like, I have his uh, thinger here, right? General Mike Stone will be here tomorrow. He was a guest earlier, you may remember. Um, and he's going to be here with Wild Bill Harris, who was, uh, I believe he won 83,000 Emmys as a news anchor. Uh, they're going to be here so we can celebrate Veterans Day together, which is pretty cool, right? And keep in mind, right, Memorial Day is where we honor the dead soldiers. Veterans Day is where we honor the living ones. And there are people who get mad. You know, let's pray for all the guys who laid down. They're like, no, it's Veterans Day. Well, you know, when is it bad to be grateful, really? Uh, but that's what we're gunning for, a good day to honor our veterans who are living in among us. And so we'll have General Mike Stone here tomorrow. I want to change my name. 
Can I be, let's see, Father... Father General? Blake. Father Blake Stone. That could work. I don't know. No? Chuck died a little. I'm going to be honest, Chuck just died a little, and I need him alive because he's a great business manager. He just told me today he's tripling my pay. All I had to do was sign something saying we're tripling his. I don't know. Is that illegal now that I think of it? Yeah. Uh, On the advice of my legal counsel... Wouldn't that be funny? Good news, collections are way up, but we're in debt. (laughs) However, Father Joe got a second Cadillac. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so anyway, you beautiful people, I hope you find this helpful. If you don't, why are you listening to this? What is wrong with you? Do you guys miss... You need to pray that the tiger signed Correa. We, We have to. We need Correa and we need Verlander. Right, bad. I don't know if you guys saw. I know not all of you are baseball freaks. I'm sorry, but let me just say this. So Verlander, 40 years old, just came off Tommy John surgery last year, right? He threw 98 in the bullpen yesterday. Mm. (laughs) I want Verlander back so bad. And people are like, oh, he's old. Better than you. Sorry. And you know, if we signed, did I tell you I figured this out? If we signed Correa for $32 million a year for 10 years, we're still 19th in payroll. I mean, our payroll is clear. The only uh, big contract is Miguel. Really? Okay, so I'll stop now. Uh, so pray we get Correa. This is what Jesus wants. And if you're a Houston Astro fan and you're listening, I'm not sorry. You guys got World Series and stuff. Let it go. We want him. Yeah. Wait, did they? No, they just lost, didn't they? That's right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if they lost the World Series, lost Correa and Verlander in one year? To Detroit. To Detroit. <laughs> okay, so on Friday, we're going to do question and answer live from home. I will lead us in prayer now. Thank you all so much for praying for Marshall. If you get a chance, please go over to my Facebook page. I put up the update from his pa. Guys, the Lord's doing something miraculous already, and I'm serious. He literally didn't. He, he wrote... I didn't know miracles were real. Mm. It's happening. But we need to keep praying. There's are many steps to go. Pray for Marshall. Pray that Jesus fully heal and restore him to us, okay? And pray for his pop and his mom. Um, he was good to me in high school. High school was not a good experience in a lot of ways. He was good to me. Um, and I like that cat. So I'll lead us in prayer. We're going to pray for Marshall. And I'll see you tomorrow with General Mike Stone and Bill Harris. And we're going to celebrate Veterans Day together. All right? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, thank you for your miraculous love for Marshall. And we ask you to continue this work of crazy healing. Restore him fully to his mom and dad, Lord, and bless and heal his mom and dad as well. Anybody listening to this who's sick, uh, Lord, be with them today. Drive the sickness from them and restore them to health. Lord, you know there's been a lot of death here lately. So many people who need comforting, comfort their broken hearts and be present to them in a unique way that they can sense and feel and touch. Give them strength for the days ahead. Lord, you are so wonderful, and we don't understand you, but we do love you, and we're so grateful that you love us. It's crazy that you want to know us, and you want us to know you. 
Lord, so many people we worry about, so many things we fret about, and we, we give them all to you because we trust you and we love you. And I ask that Almighty God bless all of you listening and watching in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow with... General Mike Stoller. Yes. Take care. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.